The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW Look Back podcast, proudly brought to you by SJP World Media. I am Sai, and it is just me and one other again this week. The three-man team is not complete just yet, but I'm over the moon to welcome once again to Nitro Nights to take in more 1996 craziness from WCW. Ranty Ben, how are we doing, my friend? Ranty Ben, I like that. <laughs> I like that. I'm very well, thank you. How are you, my man? A little bit of a flap night, mate, to be honest, because just as I pressed record, I knocked my mug of tea and it's just sloshed, oh, no. it's just sloshed everywhere all over my table. So I'm just mopping up now as I talk to you, but it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's done now. At least don't there's mop, less. In- don't, don't mop with your Udi, though. Come on. That's no, not no, good. No, no, no. I've got a lovely uh, Spitfire Ale beer towel here. Beautiful. Beautiful beer, that is, as well. Yeah, it's very old and dirty. I found it on top of my podcasting station just here. I've got no idea how long it's been there or what it was last used for. But there we go. <laughs> yeah, so today we are, well, as always, continuing the WCW watch back in date order. We have reached the Monday Nitro that first aired on the 9th of December, 1996. Uh, this show came to us from Charlotte, North Carolina, so Flair Country, woo and all that stuff it was <laughs> it received a 3.3 when it comes to the television ratings etc compared to raw's rating of 2.3 now raw got exactly the same as last week and on this particular episode of wwf monday night raw up against the nitro that ben and i are about to run through we had the wwe champion or wwf champion sorry psycho sid defeating the intercontinental champion triple h by count out uh in a non-title champion v champion match by count out on free tv for crying out loud exactly by count out in a non-title match as well so even though it was champion v champion it was stipulated neither belt was on the line uh gold dust defeated bart gun not gonna tear up any uh you know, spectacular ratings with that, are we? Jesse James defeated Justin Bradshaw and Zebekiah in a two-on-one handicap match. Mm. The Dutch Mantel? Yes, I think so. Zebekiah was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, because, yeah, Zeb Cold, yeah. Yeah, no. I'm not sure about, you know, me rushing to the WWE Network to catch that one. And oh, that's right. <laughs> in your main event, The Undertaker defeated Mankind in a no-holds-barred match. Uh, that, that could be interesting. That could have been mm. okay. But again, it's very much a case of, you know, the, the 96, end of 96 WWF, they're still trying to find their feet. We're going into 97, obviously, 
we know things pick up on the other channel in 97. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how the ratings are affected. Um, obviously, WCW is winning each week, but the ratings are st- roughly the same. And we'll look at 3.3s, 3.4s for WCW, 2.3s-ish for Raw. But I know both shows get more and more and more throughout 97 and especially into 98. So it's going to be really intriguing to see how many, um, how much this improves for both sides of the both sides of the war, I guess, Ben, isn't it? Very much so. Very much so. I think the... We're still in the early days of the the the, the Monday Night War. Um, you got to remember as well. I think uh, where are we now? So we're December '96. I think February '97. Raw goes two hours. Okay. So I was looking at that earlier. I was thinking, when was it when they they up it to two hours? So it's we're only a couple of months away from that. So that's when it starts picking mm. up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we've got the intriguing uh, Bret Hart stuff, and obviously Austin's coming to the fore now as well. But there we go. Yeah. Um, the first thing I noticed then about this edition of Nitro, and I'm surprised I haven't noticed it in the previous two recordings that you and I have done, it's something that pissed me and Danny off no end for numerous weeks. Okay. On the intro to Nitro, you have the fire, the flames, the streets, and all that sort of stuff, and it looks great. I think it looks really, really good graphics and so on. We still have red and yellow Hulk Hogan. I was, I, do you know what? When you started saying that, I thought, I know what he's going to say. I know mm. what he's, it's going to say red and yellow Hogan. Yeah, you think considering how much the NWO are at the forefront of everything, yep. you think they'd have put that in there. I mean, mm. WWF, WWE, they were, they're quick to erase anyone from that little montage that they have, aren't they? So, yeah, yeah, it would make sense. But It makes me cross because it's just so much, so much with WCW and it's small things that I suppose in the big scheme of things, I mean, you look at the ratings, how much money they're making and things go up and up for, for a, another period of time from this point point we're in. So obviously things are working well for them, but there's little things that really irritate me and that mm. red and yellow Hogan still in the intro. I mean, it pisses me off far more than it should, to be fair. It shouldn't bother me as much as it does, but it irritates me. It would be all right if there was like a, it, it started red and yellow and then morphed into Hollywood. Yeah, you know, if it was that, that would actually that, be really cool. Yeah, you think it'd be like the evolution of the company as well as you know how it worked. But yeah, no, I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree, and I can understand why it would piss you and Danny off. Yeah, it drove us mad. It's the, it, it goes in the same bracket as um, not telling us what's on a pay per view in the weeks building up to a pay per view, mm. and also not changing the nameplate on the world title when the title has moved to two or three different wrestlers. That happened a lot, especially in ninety five, early ninety six. Okay. We had people we had Savage as the world champion and it's also the giant on and all this sort of stuff. It was incredibly frustrating. Oh yeah, no. Uh, my uh, my O C D wouldn't cope with that. Yeah, it pisses me off so much. But there we go. Um we begin with Roddy Piper coming to the ring and he gets a great reaction. Uh, and mm-hmm. he says, and you know, and, and Piper's one of the first things Piper says is it's nice to be home. This is coming from the Canadian wrestler who's pretending Scotland. to be Scottish yeah. in, in, in Charlotte. So that didn't make masses of sense. Um, he talks about working there in the past, which is of course the case, but if that's the, if that's the way these things work, then he's, got a home pretty much all over the united states because he did a yeah. lot of ter- you know his home territory i suppose if you want to call it that would have been portland i think but there we go um 
Piper hops around to show his leg and his hip are okay, which t- it was so silly, it just tickled me. Um, <laughs> and then the next line we get as well, uh, he Piper talks about, um, they want me to fight Hogan in Nashville. Oh, I got six kids. Damn, I need to win this one. That that tickled me as well, because it's like, you know, he's there thinking, I got bills to pay, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much. And then he says something about his kids, because, oh, I can't remember which one. Yeah, my, my nine-year-old, <laughs> seven-year-old, can't remember. They'll blend together. Yeah, what a yeah. Father of the year right there. <laughs> oh, my word. Um, he also references boxing Mr. T and saying yeah. that, that they wanted him to take a dive, which... Obviously, he's referring to the WWF and WrestleMania 2, I think it was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And they wanted Mr. T to win the boxing match. And it's like they wanted me to take a dive. And it's like, pro wrestling's a work, Mr. Piper. This is how these things are. You're not going to go in and fight Mr. T for real, you know? But he sounded a bit bitter about that, didn't he? Really bitter. Really bitter. And I'm thinking, yeah, it was it was doing it to protect the poor old actor, Mr. T. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, yeah. I, I get it for pushing him as a half man, going to take on all comers type thing, but really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> um, he also describes about how the WWF, he doesn't name the company, obviously, because we're in the middle yeah. of God knows how many lawsuits going on at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he uh, he explains that they tried to make the gloves soft by folding them in a certain way so he couldn't hurt the poor little actor. Uh, and and all this sort of stuff, and then Piper goes on to say that he's not NWO, he's not WCW, he's just Roddy Piper out for himself to fight Hogan, which yeah. is interesting because everyone around Piper, the commentary team especially, are really pushing that he is here to represent WCW. So I thought that was quite a, quite an intriguing line by Piper, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, that made him stand out more. Mm. Um, it made his position clear in where, where he was and it made it different. One of the few moments of that promo, and, and actually what I have thought of this feud so far that made me think, Oh, okay. <laughs> the rest is like, okay, I'm done with this now. Like, yeah. You know, it, like it was last week, every line was every match where they were talking about Piper, every move they did. Oh yeah. Probably Piper does that. I'm just like, really? Yeah. It's getting a bit yeah. much now. Oh, about a doubt. Um, Piper then calls out Hulk Hogan and says, "Why wait until the pay- you know the standard babyface yeah. line is it? Why wait until the pay per view? We can do this now." And the crowd go wild for that, and then they just play Piper's music and he leaves. Yeah, now I think this is similar to sort of how we did that with um, Rick Steiner and Sting last week. You know, they right, yes, they they sort of ended it on a on a cliffhanger. Is he going to challenge him if not find out later, sort of thing? And then he yeah. challenges him, and then the match happens. It's just a weird way of doing it. I want to say something about this feud, though, and I think okay. I know the answer. You're going to tell me the answer. I know this. I am I right in thinking now? This match is obviously billed as the match of the century. What everyone's waiting for, and the one thing it's not mentioned is the title. It's not for the title, is it? It is not. No, it is. But not. They never. They never mention that. At the moment, they've not mentioned yet. It's, it's not for the title. I don't know. I don't know whether it was ever going to be. I mean, I'm going to have to do a little bit more research into that. I don't know if it's ever going to be or whatever. But, yeah, you're right. They've not mentioned the title at all up to this point. I don't it's, know when the actual decision is made that it's not for the title and they, it, whether it is even announced 
In fact, no, it is. At Starcade, I think they talk about it not being for the title. Hmm. Um, I th- yeah, I, 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 it, it just dawned on me watching this other mm. title. They've never once mentioned the title. Yeah. And I think if you're pushing a match like this for if, what is their biggest pay per view of the year in Starcade? Yes. yes. You're not going to want it for the for the title unless you think this is going to be some sort of Hogan political <sighs> thing. I think it probably is. Uh, I, for me personally, I look at it as. Piper, they've, they've got this attraction, haven't they? And that's what it is. Piper is an attraction. He's not going to be, mm. he's not there every week as we've seen already. No. He's going to take part in this this big match with Hogan at Starcade that they are pushing as a massive attraction, a massive mm. occasion, and so on. My mind would then say, okay, if you want Hogan to win, then you can quite easily make it for the title. Yeah. Problem solved there, right? But by doing that, you kind of kill off Piper and, and, and the heat he's built up and, and, and you know we, we see later on that he you know Piper chases the NW off and, and so on which we'll get to shortly so they're building Piper up to be this credible challenger you have him you have him lose to Hogan off the bat in a title match that kind of kills his heat that kills yeah. his momentum so they've kind of booked themselves into a corner because I can't see them wanting to put the belt on Roddy Piper no so if they want to do this which obviously they do because they go on to obviously if they want to do this this attraction this huge named match these two stars facing off against each other mm. why not get the belt off Hogan beforehand because it makes a little bit of a mockery of it having this big match and one of the guys is the world champion and it's on pay-per-view but the title isn't on the line it makes it seem a little bit anticlimactic I think oh big time I mean looking back even the last if you had if you'd put Hogan in the in World War Three, you'd made it for the belt. Yeah. But have Luger win the win then. Luger can move on to face whoever, uh-huh. even if it's the giant or whatever. But yeah, you're right. Does the yeah. feud need the belt if it's not going to be the? I, I I mean I get it. I mean I I don't I haven't watched Arcade, so I I don't know what happens yet. I know okay. it's, it's obviously out in there. I assume the fact they are promoting it being that Hogan's never beaten Piper is a way of Piper to get a win and prolong the story and do it that way. I'm not saying that. No spoilers meant. <laughs> right. Just this just bugs me. Yeah, oh yeah, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It's the same as we're looking at now with with The Rock and Roman Reigns and so on going into WrestleMania. Uh, and yeah. is The Rock going to wrestle Reigns at any point and so on? I'm hoping not because I, you're not going to put the belt on, on The Rock. So it makes the it makes the conclusion of the match pretty obvious, and an attraction that size doesn't need the title. And I'm thinking back in '96, it's a very similar kind of uh, kind of vein, isn't it? Piper Hogan. It doesn't need the title. That could go on last quite easily. Mm. That could go on without the championship, and then you've almost got a secondary attraction underneath Luger versus whoever for the world title, and you've got even more prestige then on the under on the undercard as well. So yeah, it's just. I think it is, like you said, politicking by by Hogan. He doesn't want to lose the championship. He doesn't want to lose the championship at Starcade. He doesn't want to lose it before Starcade and so on. I imagine that is a big part of that came into where we're heading. So sorry, are we we digressed from Roddy Piper's promo on this episode of Nitro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'll be honest. I thought this was good, Piper. We spoke before, haven't we, about how... Piper not being scripted 
sometimes leads to rambling nonsense. Same with Hogan and others as well. But I thought this was quite good, Roddy Piper, to be fair. I didn't mind this. It was. It was. The, the, the worrying bit was when he talked about that Hogan loves being in a room full of men dressed only in leather. Oh, yes. No, no women in the room. There's this <laughs> nice, nice wink, wink there. Um, yeah, basically saying the NWO are gay. Yeah. Again, I'm sure he did it in an old promo as well. I just thought, okay, Roddy. Yeah. yeah. So that was a little curveball in an otherwise strong promo, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, that then takes us to our first match of the evening. And we have former Beverly brother Mike Enos taking on uh, M. Wall Street. The Wall Street's ring gear here is almost like in the previous weeks on Nitro, he's wrestled in trousers and a shirt like IRS when he was IRS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's also come down to the ring in a full suit and then stripped off to just being in the singlet. Yeah. It's almost like he can't make his mind up. And here he's gone for some kind of weird crossover hybrid of the two because he's wearing a singlet but keeps his trousers on. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a strange thing. It's like, oh, I'm finishing work and going to the gym, but I can't be bothered to get fully changed. It's um, yeah, very odd. Yeah, I, I get that they're trying to do a, a, a break from looking anything like IRS because I'm sure that's going to be a, another, as you say, another another lawsuit. Mm. And the name change as well, because up until recently he was VK Wall Street. VK Wall Street, yeah. As a, uh, you know, obviously Vince McMahon and so on. But yeah, the most interesting thing about this match for me is obviously when uh, Wall Street's former WWF tag partner comes out, mm. uh, Ted DiBiase, mm-hmm. um, with contracts. And Mike Enos looks very keen to sign the contract and join the NWO. He, he looks yeah. like he's all about. He's all about that. But then he gets pinned, and um, Wall Street joins the NWO. And I think we're starting to see the... Well, not starting to see it, because we've got Vincent there and and so on already as well, but this is where the NWO's ranks start filling out. And a lot Mm -hmm. of people say the death of the NWO and the whole angle was when they had, you know, five or six limos turning up and 30 guys in, in... But I look at it another way, almost, really, in that if the NWO are going to war with WCW, they can't do that with just three guys. No, no. And I think, um, I think Nash has been quite vocal sort of in, in interviews he's done that when they first started, when like it was just the three of them mm-hmm. and they would, or even when it was just him and Scott Hall, that they would come to the ring with, weapons or whatever and the whole roster would flood out police with gun literal guns yeah and you're you're implying that this all these people can't hold back two people it, mm-hmm. yeah it, it, so you you say it couldn't be done with three people i think it probably could it booked in the right way but you need a balance between finding three and 30 um, which i think is what it ended up probably even more than that yeah but again you come back to plans that people have discussed and we see a bit more of it as we go into early 97, they were going to split split the rosters. They were going to have, uh, you know, one hour was going to be NWO Nitro. Yeah. Another hour was going to be WCW Nitro. Uh, and the, another idea that was thrown around, of course, was one company or brand or however you want to word it was going to have its own show. Um, whether that would be Thunder when that starts up and then WCW would have the other and so on. And there was also the initial plan 
was that the NWO would have Saturday night, or WCW would have Saturday <laughs> night, and the NWO yeah. and so on. But the big stumbling block with that, according to Eric Bischoff, was that that wasn't live, and the dirt sheets would then leak what's happened, and it would, you know, the whole aspect of anything can happen, people turning up and surprises is took away. So I suppose, again, you can't have a whole separate roster with just three guys. Mm. So whereas I look at people like Mike Wall Street, I look at people like Black Vince... Well. Buff Bagwell, yeah, there you go. And I'm thinking they're nowhere near as cool or or as high up the card as Hall, Hogan, and Nash. I can understand that you still need other members there. And I think sometimes it's a criticism that, yeah, I can understand why people make it, but it's potentially a bit harsh at times. Hmm. Yeah, well, I see that point of view. Yeah, okay. Um, what did you think of the thing we saw next? Because we get a little bit more... Benoit, Sullivan, and woman stuff, don't we? Um, I'm so sick of this ankle. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. <laughs> oh, um, is a video from WCW Saturday night, and woman has not gone to her mother's, we're told. She's supposed to have gone to her mother's to stay away from Sullivan because they're having trouble. She's out in a restaurant with Benoit, with a camera crew, of course. I mean, I never take... I never take my wife out for dinner unless there's at least you know a, a semi-sized camera crew with us. I was, what's the point? And um, <laughs> <laughs> they talk about uh, that they're obviously you know an on-screen couple at least at this point, and they're sort of jabbing Sullivan with this now, with Nancy saying you don't hurt someone and get away with it, which I don't know why, but because we know how what happens with their relationship in real life, that felt quite awkward hearing us say that line. That felt yeah. a bit, yeah, yeah. dark, wasn't it? A little bit. A little bit. It, it's all really dark, though, isn't it? Yeah. The whole yeah. thing. And Sullivan's reaction to it, and even the interactions with Shivani and everything, you think, what? I, I mm. didn't... It, it needs to air. It's, it, you said it's been going on for fucking ages anyway, so it's... Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, Benoit... <laughs> this this tickled me. It makes a sort of chess reference and says, his bishop takes your queen to Sullivan, <laughs> which made me laugh, to be fair. That was a good line. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that is a good line. That was probably the one plus point in all of it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of just where it ends, isn't it? Where that segment ends and Sullivan's obviously a bit pissed off and upset and so on. Um, I hope when we get the inevitable match that is taking, that this is leading to, I hope that all this nonsense is going to be worth it. I have a feeling it is. From what I remember, the match ends up being quite good. But otherwise, we're just watching a lot of nonsense that, to me, is wasted at the time on the casual fan. And now, in hindsight, is quite a difficult watch knowing what happens, isn't it, I feel? Yeah, yeah particularly when you've got the players involved that you have on both sides with the Horsemen and the and, and, I mean, and the Dungeon of Doom. You think, actually, mm. some of the members of Dungeon of Doom are good wrestlers who don't really deserve to be in this shocking stable. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope the payoff's good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, up next, we have Hugh Morris and the Renegade one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to think, uh-oh, because when I see Mike Enos on an episode of Nitro and mm-hmm. I see Hugh Morris and the Renegade on an episode of Nitro, I start thinking, are we a little bit threadbare when it comes to the roster for this particular show? And this is where we get the commentary team say, lots of the WCW guys are on a European tour, so they're not there. 
And that mm. does make me think, oh no, because I've watched episodes of Nitro uh, previously for Nitro Nights, and they talk about guys being off on tour somewhere, and we end up just watching absolute garbage for two hours because everyone who's anyone who's half decent is abroad. So that yeah. that got me worried a little bit there, to be fair. Yeah, I think they plug it out in in later episodes as well that Benoit's in Germany and Regal's away and yeah, other people that you work horses and you, yeah, you start to think, hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to mention that in a, in a match that's coming up later as well, but uh, no, I agree. It's, you think, hang on a minute, you don't got anyone else on the roster? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Hugh Morris is a weird dude, isn't he? I mean, obviously, this is, he's a piece of shit in real life anyway, but he yeah. is. I don't get his character. I don't understand. I mean, I kind of do. Yeah, we, I think he's playing it off sort of a like a, like the Riddler, that sort of thing. Okay, <clears throat> right. That's, that's how I read it. I mean, not only has he got, <clears throat> excuse me, he's got question marks all over his um, singlet and whatever as well. And I I, I do kind of get it. It's, uh, I don't like him. <laughs> no, no. I think it's cool that a dude that size can do a moonsault like he can as a finish. I think that's all I always, yeah, that does look good. I like big dudes who can fly, you know, your, your Vaders and your Bam Bams and people like that as well. They always be up there in my, some of my favorites. I mean, even bloody giant can throw a bloody good drop kick. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a, um, what's the word? A divisive sort of, uh, uh, individual, he's, he's yeah, he's, he's Jeff Jarrett and the Blue Cheese again. You know, he, yeah. he, he serves his purpose, but <laughs> yeah, does anyone really like him? I'm gonna have to try and knock up some form of Jeff Jarrett Blue Cheese T-shirt. I'm gonna have to devise some. Oh, then some I've really like made it. Then I have absolutely <laughs> made it on this podcast. If that's the case, <laughs> I'm just, that's, I, I, I like a metaphor, but that's one of my proudest moments. Yeah, I think. that would that would be like. <laughs> um, what I didn't enjoy is that we get a bear hug, uh, which is a move that any, if anyone listens to anything I'm involved in, this show, chain wrestling, whatever, they know that I hate bear hugs. I don't know why. I can't exactly pin down what it is. I don't know if it's because it's boring, but I I just I just can't. Every time somebody applies a bear hug, I just go, oh, God's sake. Um, Cuddle time. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> uh, we get a nice bulldog countered into a suplex spot, which is quite cool, before Morris wins with, with, with the moonsault. And it is pretty spectacular, isn't it? It's a bloody good moonsault. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I remember it taking me a long time uh, when I first became aware of humorous, I realized, oh, humorous. I understand now. Ah. No laughing matter. I'm with you. <laughs> I was quite young at the time, though, let's face it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that means that was cool. Yeah. That is cool. It is good. Um, what's not so good is Kevin Sullivan coming out. And I got an issue. Yeah. And it's not just Sullivan. I had this issue with Cody Rhodes when he was in WWE in his first run. I got this issue with numerous other wrestlers as well. Wrestlers who wear small wrestling boots and trunks yeah. with yeah. no knee pads just mm -hmm. look like a dude in their pants. <laughs> I think the knee pads, and, and you don't realize how important they are until they're removed. When there's no knee pads, it just looks weird. <laughs> I mean, I've never thought of that until now, if I'm honest. Oh, okay. It's just me then. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you're right. I mean, even you look at someone like, I'm sure uh, Gunther is the same as well. He wears, he doesn't wear knee pads, or he oh, didn't yeah. in, in at least. 
And I think he's gone record saying, yeah, no, nah, not for me sort of thing. But yeah, you're right. It just looks like a dude. In the, in the, like it's a really hot day. Yeah, and you're so, and you, you thought, oh shit, I've got to put the bins out. Oh, I'll just put me the comfy shoes on. <laughs> I'll go out in the pants. <laughs> Neighbors won't mind. You know, I'm ripped yeah. to shit anyway. I'll be fine. Especially when or he comes Sullivan down. No, when he come, when Sullivan comes down in that that robe as well. That just he just looks like uh, he looks like your crazy old neighbor who's just in his dressing gown and pants, like you said, putting the bins out. Like Del Boy on acid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Um, Sullivan heads straight to Tony Schiavone and he starts ranting at Tony saying that the video of of Nancy and Benoit having dinner was sent to him not sent to WCW he talks of his personal life says he has someone to take care of which I'm assuming he's referencing his kids here I'm assuming, I'm not sure did Nancy and Sullivan have kids? I don't know I don't know, I can't answer that Hmm. okay um but that's kind of it. He gets quite narky with, with Tony Schiavone and says that this is real life and that it's affected his personal life and so on. And again, it's that whole blurring the lines thing. And again, it's that... I don't mind it when it's done well, but there's always the question, Mark, of when you start blurring the lines between what's a work and what's not, mm. you naturally have people asking the question... I mean, nowadays, everyone understands how wrestling works, so it's a bit different. But we're going back to 96. I mean, kayfabe isn't alive and well by any stretch of the imagination. It's, you know, but there's there's still people who, who buy into it, especially you know, in certain regions of America. It's not been... The business hasn't been fully exposed yet, I suppose. People mm. are sort of halfway there. They know what's going on, but it's not been fully exposed yet. So when you're getting people doing this kind of thing, it's almost like they're saying... Everything else on the show is fake, apart from what I'm doing. Is that not a little mm. bit of self-exposure there? Is that not really... I don't know. I mean, it is, but was that not the, the the general sort of goal of Nitro, to be like, we we need to seem real? Mm. And like when the Outsiders first came in, and they're trying to, obviously that level, bit of the storyline is done. They're trying to, the, the um, Inside man taking out the w, Eric Bischoff taking yeah. out the WCW from the inside. You're trying to blow the lines, but with with this, it, it, it sort of suspends belief a little bit. Just just the level of yeah, it, it's it, it's creepy. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's yeah. what it is. Whereas like the NWO starting up was it was cool because it was believable. This is. This is almost like a trigger for some people, isn't it? In mm. some of their lives, this is, you know, it happens in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, but three people turning up and trying to chuck people into um, production trucks and whatever—that's that's still wrestling. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I, I get, I get what you're trying to say. Um, we get a Sting video package next, and it's only just entered my mind now. Again, talking about the whole portraying things as a work or not and so on the sting video package they don't know if he's nwo or not nwo but yet the wcw people are still running a video package promoting him i mean it's a small little nitpick on my part it's nothing major i enjoyed it but it's just entered my mind now that maybe it's a bit out of place i suppose with what they're trying to do with the sting character at the, at this point in its timeline i think so and I, i'm trying to remember because i haven't written it down the music they used on that video um 
which I can't remember. It was very, I was, that was a Bonnie Tyler, I Need a Hero. That was, uh, that was the music used in this Sting video. I just thought, how are they promoting this? As you yeah. say, you, you, you still don't know that you, you need a hero. They, WCW wants Sting, but it's still not answered. I think that was quite a clever use of the music in that video. As Interesting. Well. So where did you watch this? Because have you got the network back or have you saw with I network? have. No, I okay. have. Yeah. Did you watch this on the network or did you watch this yeah. on Daily Mo- Did you? No, I watched this on the network. Because that music wasn't that- on the network, my version. No, it might well do, but it might be that obviously stuff like that, they, they would edit the music on the network, wouldn't they? So the original may have had that. When I saw it on the network, it was just sort of generic music. I had no idea until you just said that the original of this had I Need a Hero by Bonnie Tyler. That's so yeah. on the that's so on the nose. Of course, I, on the nose. I didn't get that context whatsoever because obviously they won't use licensed music on the network, will they? Yeah. No, but it's only because I, again, I was, as I said you on the last episode, I like to research into these things, and yeah, it mm. said that the music used was that song. Wow! And it is W. There you go. Well done, WCW. One of the. <laughs> Why? See, that makes it the whole context. Of that video package is completely changed. Yeah. By the music, isn't it? Yeah. Screw you, WWE. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Bloody hell! Okay. Um, the uh, the big takeaway I had from the video package, without the proper music, was, and again I know it's stating the bloody obvious, and I do this quite often on this show. It's 1996, but it's mm. so 90s. The graphics, it is. I loved it. It reminded me of, I don't know if people in the states who listen to this show. I mean, God, God bless you, our American listeners. Thank you so much for for you know listening to Nitro Nights. I don't know if they got the chart show over there. But we used to have a program called The Chart Show over here on, on ITV, didn't we, on a Saturday morning? Yep. Or yeah. um, something they will be familiar with, uh, Saved by the Bell, the graphics to the intro <laughs> to Saved by the Bell. It felt like that. Oh, you know? my God. It is that, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is. Oh, it's brilliant. I love it so much. It reminds me of just being a kid and, oh, I love the 90s, man. I'd go back if I could. <laughs> back when chicken really tasted like chicken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh man, um, we get Kevin Green next. We've not seen him for a while. Obviously, he's been like I, I hadn't seen him at all. I didn't okay. know who he was. Well, Kevin <laughs> Green was involved previously with WCW. Um, he had a big falling out with Mongo, who's obviously the other football player in WCW, and there's yeah. other stuff going on as well. But then, of course, you know, the pesky NFL season gets in the way, so Kevin Green's had to go off and do his real job for a while. But they're in the you know they're in Carolina. He plays for the Panthers. Nice for him to pop his head in. Big win. Yeah, exactly. And the crowd are wild for Kevin Green, as you can imagine. He he was a sporting hero in this time. And Green says he wants Hulk Hogan, and that gets a massive reaction as well. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, as I say, I was nonplussed really when he turned up. I got that he was Carolina Panthers player. That he was going to get a huge reaction in Charlotte anyway, wasn't he? And Piper had already come out in a Panthers shirt. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a cheap pop, as Mick yeah. Friday would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, somebody who I think is incapable of getting a cheap pop just because he sucks is Jimmy Graffiti. I can't yes. stand this dude. And he's taking on Dean Malenko. And I just look at Dean Malenko and I think, you're amazing. I feel so sorry for you right now. Yeah. 
yeah, now now I I I was aware of Jimmy Graffiti under his previous moniker, should we say? Yeah, Jimmy Del Rey and the uh, Heavenly Bodies. Heavenly That's Bodies. right. Heavenly, yeah, SummerSlam '93 yeah. with the Steiners, I think it was. Yeah, and first of all, he doesn't look like a cruiserweight. Yeah, he looks like he must be two forty something in that region. That's definitely not. (laughs) Also, the name Jimmy Graffiti feels a little bit indie. Not necessarily anything wrong with that. The gear he's wearing looks like somebody ten years younger than him should potentially be wearing it. I just don't get. I just don't buy it. I just don't get the gimmick at all. No, I don't understand the gimmick. I don't understand the gimmick. He looks like a nasty boy light, Um, and I know how much you love the nasty boys. Oh. but, but, and I don't know if you're going to hate me for this. I really enjoyed this match. No, I agree. I agree. When Jimmy Graffiti came out, I was so disappointed. But by the end of the mm. match, I was like, whoa, that was actually pretty good. It baffles me, though, when you've got your, your likes of your, your Mysterios and your Eddie Guerrero's and your Chris Jericho's and your Psychosis mm-hmm. and everybody else. Why the fuck is Jimmy Graffiti getting a, a title shot? Does this come back to people being in Europe? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but then why does it, I mean, I get it why it needs to be for the title, but this is one that doesn't need to be for the title. It can just be a cruiserweight invite or something. Yeah. 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 And um, the match is, is interrupted by an advert for the NWO again, which I always laugh at it. It's just so silly, but brilliant. Um, and then somebody who buy the is shirt, not, buy the shirt, yeah, buy the shirt. Uh, somebody who buy, buy the blue t-shirt. And then somebody who <laughs> is who is not in Europe, sadly, is Sonny Ono with his camera. He comes out taking more pictures again. Um, the beginning of the match is quite brawly and scrappy. It's, it's quite punchy, kicky, I suppose. Uh, before we start getting Dimalenko hitting his his repertoire suplexes, there's a bit on the outside we do. Um, Dimalenko suplexes uh, Graffiti back into the ring. There's a vicious looking power bomb by Jimmy Graffiti, which looked quite I like, good. I like the power bomb. Yeah. I, yeah. And then yeah. Malenko power bombs him. Yeah. Yeah. Dimalenko's power bomb is brilliant as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you knew as soon as you realized it was. Malenko and Griffith, you knew who was going to win. That oh, was never going to, in the case. Yeah. And you knew it was going to be a good match because it's Dean Malenko. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the match. There were loads of false finishes, which I wasn't expecting as well. Mm. And yeah, then Sonny Ono comes out uh, with his camera. Yeah. Oh, dear me. Um, I'll tell you what, Graffiti actually gets a lot in here, doesn't he? He's allowed to look yeah. competitive. I mean, Dean Malenko could yeah. have been wild in his rights just to go out there and, and squash the dude. But it, yeah. they actually put on quite a decent match. Um, yeah. Graffiti at one point goes for a suplex, which Dean Malenko counters into a small package. And that's the finish. And I really liked that as well. Beating mm. him with a wrestling move. That was awesome. Uh, but we also get some nice you know, neck bridges and so on. Yeah, I, I, I surprisingly enjoyed this Jimmy Graffiti match. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like the match. The finish surprised me because, again, you want that finish on an important match that you think Malenko is not going to win. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So you think someone like a Jimmy Graffiti, you would you would have him finish with the Cloverleaf or, or whatever. Yeah. But you think if it's Ultimo Dragon, if it's Rey Mysterio, if it's Chris Jericho, someone who could use chicanery at some point uh, when he busts that out and it to me it 
almost means more whilst prolonging a feud. I don't know, it just felt a bit wasted. Yeah, no, I understand. But I, but I enjoyed the match. I thought mm. it was a very good match. It's another opportunity as well, I suppose, to get Malenko's finisher over, isn't it? I mean, you look at yeah. DDP as an example at the moment, they're really pushing how lethal the diamond cutter is, and he's beating yeah. lots of guys with the diamond cutter. Here's an opportunity for Malenko to win a match with his finish. You know, and that, that to me, it, it is a bit of a missed opportunity. I mean, the finish was great. It really was. But maybe, mm. I agree with you, maybe used in the, at the wrong time in the wrong match. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Sonny Ono's with Gene now, Mean Gene, for a little bit. And he's talking yeah, he's about... Lost something, isn't he? He's lost yeah, something. his Sonny accent Ono. slips, and Gene calls yeah. him out on this. But apart from Mean Gene having a go at him about his accent slipping, I don't really know what was said in this promo. I don't really know what they were aiming at. No. No. Whether they were trying to go down the xenophobic route, I don't really know. Uh, Whether they were trying to... uh, Whether it was meant to... It was meant to do it, I don't know. And the gene just called him out on it. Mm. Who knows? Well, he does mention, oh no, doesn't he, that by talking a certain way, you get free housing and free money in this country. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, okay. And then he starts waving an American flag. <laughs> yeah, think, he's like, it's an odd one. It's an odd I one. Only think, I only think he mentions Ultima Dragon maybe once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not doing a good job of getting his client over there, is he? No. But never mind. Um, we then get a recap of the tag title match from World War Three, which mm-hmm. I, I didn't need to see again. I didn't really enjoy the match first time round. It was far too long. Um, but the recap at least got us to see the clever spot with Nash and Hall when they were tagged in in the, in the triangle match, the sort of triple threat rules, and they go to pin each other. I used to love that spot. Yeah. I remember when the um, the New Age Outlaws did it, and they actually won a match that way, I seem to remember. Okay. And I do remember that. And a New Day did it at one point as well. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think in WWF they ended up calling it the Outlaw Rule. Right, brilliant. Even though, even though, Hall and Nash tried it first. Yeah. Okay. Because um, technically the Outlaws won and lost that match. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, this is being replayed here because we're getting two of the three teams taking each other on, on Nitro here. We have the Nasty Boys, uh, and they're taking on the Faces of Fear, and it's just a brawl. Hall and Nash arrive, and there's a big pop for them, and, they, and they're stood on the um, entranceway watching with their title belts, looking cool as fuck, which again, by comparison, just makes the Nasty Boys look the exact opposite for me. Hmm. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Barbarian misses a top rope splash, which, okay, he didn't hit it, but that was spectacular, because this guy is a he monster, man. He's, he's huge. He's huge. He yes. is. Um, uh, yeah, when he went up top rope, I thought, oh, I know what's going on. He's going to chuck him off, you know, flare style, whatever. I wasn't expecting him to even attempt anything off the right. top rope. So that was yeah, it was a high spot for me. It was, yeah, it was great. Um, Nobbs at one point gets what I suppose they call the hot tag to zero reaction from the fans. Because I think, again, we're in another scenario here where it's a little bit difficult for the fans watching to really know who they're supposed to be cheering for. Because the Nasties, I think, are being portrayed as baby faces here but they've been heels for so long and they still wrestle in a heel way. It's difficult, I think. And then, of course, the, the actual heels arrive looking cool and get a babyface pop in Hall and Nash. 
I mean, ultimately, if it's selling tickets and the crowd are reacting, then, you know, good luck to them. But it does make it a little bit confusing, I think, for the audience. So when you get a spot like the traditional tag team hot tag moment, which you expect the crowd to react to, they don't react. And I think it is because the waters have been have been mudded so much here. Yeah, they're, they're, they've got the anti-hero vibe going on. Yeah. Um, and, and even then, where they, they are pushing uh, Meng and Barbarian versus Hall and Nash at the, at the pay-per-view, mm-hmm. technically, both teams are heels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but now they're trying to push <laughs> the faces of it as, as baby faces. Sort of, but and keep Hall and Nash's heels. But there's Hall and Nash. Uh, did they just ooze cool? They always yeah, did so much. It's then then in that guys, they're never going to get booed, are they? So no. But again, it, I suppose you you come back to the whole faction thing and the whole group thing. The mm. faces of fear are part of the Dungeon of Doom. Yep. And they're trying to angle them as the baby faces in a way when they go up against Hall and Nash. Here against the nasties the nasties are being portrayed as the baby faces mm. at the same time. The leader of the dungeon of doom is tied up with something with Benoit. Who's part of the horsemen and the horsemen were supposed to be cheering for here because they're anti NWO, but the member but of the ben- horsemen, Benoit is acting like an absolute heel. Yeah. So again, it's just, I appreciate the whole, you know, shades of gray and it's, it's, it's not just good guys, bad guys anymore. But at the same time, when it's that, mudded when it's that confusing when there is that many shades of grey mm. I mean it can take away from the product because mm. I mean pro wrestling is is you know decades and decades and decades old uh, and the, obviously the famous McMahon speech or you know we don't want to insult you good guys bad guys and all this sort of stuff but that formula has been proven to work for the whole existence of professional wrestling even up to present day with what WWE are doing now mm. I appreciate trying to do something different but here, I think it's just not hitting the mark for me. No, I I, I agree with that. They've they've gone a little bit too far. Mm. Um, Lots of moving they, parts, they, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. They they, they need. It's all well and good to have, yeah, the great. Even though, even if it's someone acting as a a babyface sort of hit, like the, the tweener. That's that's the old. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the old phrase, isn't it? But. It's it's like any dynamic. You can have babyface versus heel. You can have babyface versus tweener if that guy's in the process of turning heel. But if it's heel versus heel, or even someone in between, like, like Sullivan Benoit, that you can't tell who's face and who's heel. It just doesn't. No. It's not working. And it, yeah, I agree. It's the same with this this sort of tag feud. You don't know where the nasties oh. are really. Hello, dog. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, you don't know where the nasty boys are either, do you? Nah. No, but you just want this biscuit. Okay. The dog, the dog growled, so obviously it has a similar opinion of the nasty boys. That, that, as you do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and her will get on well. <laughs> the dog <has> taste. <laughs> um, we get more similar to last week, I guess. We get more Jimmy Hart shenanigans um, with the megaphone, and eventually Nobs is hit by the megaphone for the barbarian to pin them. I, I, I'm not sure about this. If, if we're trying to position the faces of fear as being a legit challenge to the NWO, could they not have gone over clean? Is that just yeah. my bias against the nasty boys? I don't know. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, again, you, you want to see them as a viable challenger to Hall yeah. and Nash. You don't want to see them using cheating to beat a team lower than them in the nasty boys. It, yeah, that again, it's easy for us to put our fantasy booking hat on, but that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, being in Charlotte, we're naturally going to see Ric Flair. There's no way this guy was not going to be on the show. He is out with Gene, uh, and they turn around and say that Ric Flair is in rehab. And I'm thinking, uh, my mind straight away went, went to drinking, but no, it's actually about his shoulder because he's still injured and so on. Uh, Flair calls Kevin Green the man and gets a good reaction from the crowd, asks Piper to come out, calls Piper an icon, talks of their past, and then says that the whole of Charlotte, the Four Horsemen, and WCW are behind you. And Piper basically says, no thanks, mate. And that's kind of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Oh dear. Uh, what did you think of this whole segment? I mean, it is it is it, iconic in a way seeing Piper, Flair, and Mean Gene on on your screen all together. That was quite cool. But I I suppose they're trying to go for the whole lone wolf thing with Piper. But what, what did yeah. you find? How did you find this? Right, I'm going to make something clear now. Okay. I am not, and have never been a Ric Flair fan. Hush your mouth. <laughs> it's going to kick me off now after three episodes. I, I've, no, I've, ne- I've never been a Ric Flair fan. I, I just, uh, whether it was a case of the fact I was always a WWF guy, okay. maybe, but certainly in, in later years, well, I've never been a fan of the guy. Just, I get that he was very good. I get he, he was a hell of a wrestler. I didn't like him as a character. I, I just wasn't. Well, he wasn't for me. There was a, like, like Nasty Boys are not for you. Yeah. Ric Flair is not for me. Yeah, fair enough. I understood the logic of Flair coming out in Charlotte and hyping up Piper because he's got to pick a side somewhere, isn't he? It made sense as a segment and it made perfect sense considering what Piper had said in the opening segment about he's with Roddy Piper, he's not with WCW, he's not with NWO. He doesn't want backup from Horseman or whoever. Logical for once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming off the back of the whole Sullivan and Benoit thing, this was logical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, at the end of this, we get the, our usual countdown to hour two, and hour two begins with a recap of what Piper did at the start of the show. Which <laughs> yeah. for us, for us watching the whole thing and talking about how last week was just so much Piper, Piper, Piper all the time. It could be frustrating, but I know why they're doing it because it's the top of the hour. People are going to be changing channel and so on. So you, you can appreciate, I suppose, why they're doing it. And then we get Chris Jericho coming out. So it dispels yeah. the thought process earlier on that Jimmy Graffiti had to work with Dimalenko. Um <laughs> Chris Jericho comes out and he's wrestling Bobby Eaton. Now, I'm a massive Bobby Eaton fan. The guy who's incredible, a, a fantastic wrestler. Mm-hmm. And last week, my oh brother, my my downside to the show was Robert Gibson from the Rock and Roll Express looking out of place. Here we've got the guy who feuded with the Rock and Roll Express every single you know week for decades in Bobby Eaton, who was one half of the Midnight Express. Yep. But again, maybe I'm biased because I love the Midnight Express. I didn't mind Bobby Eaton anywhere near as much as I did Robert Gibson. I mean, does that make me a, a hypocrite? Or- <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, no, it doesn't. But what's interesting is, I, I mean, I've I have watched previous like the Dangerous Alliance and things like that, those yes. sort of feuds. 
and I, I love Bobby Eaton. Yeah, and I so know good. he's a big fan of, you know, he's a big favourite of people like Steve Austin and the Bobby's mate, and he helped him loads. I did feel a little bit like okay. it was the Gibson of this, but I thought, considering it's what Jericho won with a missile drop kick, which is whether that was his one of his sort of signature moves at the time, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. So that from that makes it more understandable. But, you know, I thought, again, it just felt like a mismatch to me. Him versus mm. Jericho. I think it could, I, I don't know, it just it, it didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, poor Bobby to lose in three minutes in that sort of man. I just thought, nah, he deserves better. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, what we got a few uh I, I suppose bits away from the from the actual in ring action here. We've got um Heenan uh, and uh, people on commentary now. And for the first time, I can remember in a long time, they're talking from a WCW standpoint and sounding hopeful against the NWO. Because up until mm-hmm. now, it's been doom and gloom and what are we going to do and so on. And they're sounding hopeful with Piper, which is which is refreshing to hear. It's a change to the pace of mm. um, St. Nitro's. We also get a Jericho promo on Nick Patrick. Yeah. That, it was sort of a pre-tape, wasn't it? It was yeah. you know, before the match started, yeah. Yeah, and it just—it was just quite plain for me. Obviously, we know what Jericho goes on to become, you know, he or face, whatever, full of charisma. It's interesting seeing where they began, I suppose, because it didn't feel like a Jericho promo, knowing where he ends up for me. Mm. Yeah, it was—it was. It was <laughs> I don't want to use the word bland, but it was. It, there was story behind it. There was trying to build something. It was. They've got to start a building block somewhere, haven't they? Mm. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it would have meant more, I think, had there been a meaningful match after it. But if it was there to help push Jericho and boost him ahead of the match with um, Bobby Eaton, then it serves its purpose. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, we get a Sting and Rick Steiner recap from last week. And before the Steiners are out with Gene. Gene's busy again tonight, isn't he? He's, He's a busy little beaver, isn't he? he is, isn't Gene he? Oakland. <laughs> up and down that entrance ramp bloody hell he's getting his steps yeah. in um <laughs> and the Steiners are basically just asking gene what's sting going to do next because no one knows but everyone knows that they need a hero um we get... <laughs> they, just, they don't they don't on the wwe network no i didn't know <laughs> we then get a lex luger video package which again is very much of its time i enjoyed that and we're told lex luger is going to face the giant at starcade so, I, I, I'm I'm on board with that. It gives Luger something to do at the pay per view. He's facing an NWO guy. I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. It makes yeah. sense. It makes sense for what happened at World War Three. Uh, yeah, fine. Yeah. It makes more sense that Giant would just randomly talk during his uh, match with Arn Anderson a couple of weeks ago as well. That he yeah. to play off that. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, speaking of Arn Anderson, he is up next, and he is taking on again. People must be in Europe because we've got Sergeant Bloody Pittman on the show. Uh, he, uh, Craig, Pittman. Craig Pittman. Oh my word! Pittman you versus have to take anyone called Craig seriously. <laughs> it is I mean, also, uh, and I don't mean any disrespect to any parents out there of a Craig or any Craigs themselves, but yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> you, you think to yourself when you have a baby, what goes through your mind to think I'm going to name that baby Craig? Little baby Craig. It doesn't. It's not. It don't sound right, does it? You know, same as a Graham or an Ian. It's kind of Nigel, Nigel or a Keith. 
Yeah, little baby Keith. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, Arn, uh, Arn's just Arn, isn't he? He is so good. The guy is absolute quality. Kevin Sullivan, uh, there's a, a pre-tape again, isn't it? Sullivan cuts a promo on Arn Anderson here because they're setting up a match for next week on Nitro because Arn is part of the Horsemen and apparently ben Sullivan. In Germany. Yeah, so, yeah, there we go. Um, the match is a bit back and forth originally. Um, Mongo ends up hitting Pittman on the outside with the, the the metal case that was his payoff for joining the Horsemen. And we get that beautiful Arn Anderson DDT for Arn to win. I don't think you need the outside interference. Anderson should nope. be able to beat this guy on his own. But I appreciate yep. If the Horsemen are complete 100% pieces of shit asshole heels, I get it. But again, we're still trying to put them in a babyface role against the NWO. It doesn't make sense. No, no, nothing at all. Did not need that at all. Had um, Mongo used that in the Anderson match against Sullivan. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get that, particularly if he's got... <coughs> excuse me, sorry. <coughs> particularly if he's got the rest of the um, Dungeon Doom there as well. Mm. But against Craig Pittman? Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's not needed, is it? Uh, Arn then cuts a promo on woman, saying he has a bone to pick with her because she is distracting Benoit uh, and and so on. And it's getting more Horsemen, Benoit, Dungeon of Doom, Nancy Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan stuff going on. I hope they kind of speed this up a little bit now because I think they've done the background, uh, laying the groundwork, yeah. and we need to get to the, like the crux of the matter for me. It's very clear what every segment is alluding to here. Mm. It, yeah, it's it sort of it's it's like the worst kept secret, basically. Mm. Yeah, I'm getting tired of it now. Yeah, definitely. Um, next match. Well, no, not next match. Sorry, we've got the 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 almighty liar that is Lee Marshall saying he's in Pensacola, which he's obviously mm. blatantly not. Um, he's at another nitro. He's let himself into some college dormitory and sneaked in to watch nitro with some students or something. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. Um, but after that, we have DDP versus Jeff Jarrett. It feels weird because Jarrett still looks like 1995 WWF Jeff Jarrett. DDP yeah. is starting to turn into the Diamond Dallas page that we're, we're going to end up. Well, I, I adore in later years. Mm-hmm. Seeing these two in the ring together, it was like a real mishmash like a, a a clash of almost uh, again there's not massive difference in regards to timeline but it almost feels like two different eras clashing here for me yeah no i i understand that i understand that to me it's very clear that they are they are ready to push ddp mm. and that's uh, he's, he, they're gearing him up for the next step um I love. I. I mean. I. I love DDP with, with, back when he was um, managing as well. Oh, with the bright luminous colours and yeah. yeah, yeah. And I remember. I. I mean, and taking that character, even now, and then yeah, the, the previous, the previous character as well, and then when it dawned, when I found out that he was the driver for mm. Rhythm <laughs> Blues at WrestleMania in the pink. Yeah. Pink Cadillac. It's, oh yeah, I just happened to have one. I thought, of course you did. Yeah, of course of you course, did. Because you're DDP. Did, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I imagine as well that he had like um like a clamp coming off the side that held his cigar for him whilst he was driving. Oh, uh, and, and, you know, like you get these little holders now for your phone. That's what I have in my mind. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the fans are fully into DDP here, which is, yeah. is and again, 
I know he goes on to be like this champion of the people on 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 WSW and and so on, but you can see here as we're watching it week to week, you can see it growing organically, can't you? You can see the fans because yeah. he because he's been a heel for ages, and nobody really knew what his gimmick was or anything like that. But here, the fans are organically getting drawn to him, and I think that's I think that's wonderful seeing these early stages of of this develop for me. Mm. And he's he's adding more of his mannerisms that obviously we knew yeah. know and love now. Everything from the self high five to the to the, just the diamond sort of pose, you know, I, I'm seeing more of, and you see more of them in the crowd, and you think, yeah, they're they're on to something here. It's getting over, I'm, yeah. There we it's go. It's getting over, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of posturing back and forth earlier on. Uh, and then we get a promo vid for Piper versus Hogan, because why would we want to watch actual wrestling on our wrestling show? Let's run an oh, advert instead. Um, there's, a, there's, there's a pretty cool spot where both guys try a kick at the same time. Both block the kick and catch the catch each other's foot before Jarrett hits an inseguri, which I thought was pretty pretty sweet. Um, Jarrett mm-hmm. hits a netbreaker, which looks cool as well. And then we have a sleeper hold. DDP fights back with a big lariat. Um Goes up top uh, for a clothesline, which looks again. DDP is what six six, and he's got that mop, mop of flying hair, and he's coming off <laughs> the top. He's coming off. It's, it's spectacular to see. Uh, the outsiders arrive though. Hall and Nash are here, and they give uh, Jeff Jarrett the outsider's edge, while Scott Hall sorry gives Jarrett the outsider edge, and we get the whole is DDP joining the NWO, and this allows. DDP to win the match and so on, and we get Gene in the ring this time. He's come off the ramp. Come off the ramp. He needs a little bit more exercise. Yeah. A few more steps. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And he speaks with DDP about is he joining the NWO? Before we get on to the interview segment, what did you think of the match itself? I I, I thought it was really good. Yeah, You've got two constant professionals. Yeah, yeah, um, who, who know their craft. You know, given a decent chunk of time as well, with a match with stakes on it, with a place in the final of the US title tournament, with all the intrigue of DDP and the NWO, I, I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, and me, I enjoyed it. Um, Gene is asking Paige about the NWO and so on, and Paige just responds, "I don't need them. I've got the diamond cutter. You know, yeah. let, let me do my thing. They can go and do theirs." Mm. Let's just stay out of each other's way, which I think is quite a cool attitude to have at this point. Uh, and then he also says, where were these guys three years ago when I was busting my ass here? And now they're interested in me, which I think is a mm. brilliant, because we, you know, we, we've spoken on, we've spoken ourselves here. And obviously Danny uh, contributed on previous episodes as well about how it took Paige a long time to find his gimmick, to find out who he is. And yeah. people didn't give a shit back then, but now they do. I love that that sort of almost touching back into Paige's character development past. I, I really enjoyed that. Mm. Yeah. And, and like his previous interviews, they're, they're, they're passionate and he, he means every single word he says. So it's, what's not to love yeah. <laughs> from a wrestling point of view? What's not to love? Um, it's when he, it's when, is this the one where he goes to then compare them to ha- what he said to a girl he picked up in a club? Is that? Is oh, that, yes. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, yeah. So to the NWO, I'm going to say the same thing that I said to the broad <laughs> stop calling. <laughs> <laughs> He's so sleazy. It's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, next, Rick Steiner's music hits, but Steiner doesn't come out. It's Piper. So, I'm so pleased the sign it didn't come out. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. 
Uh, he grabs a chair. He calls for Hulk Hogan. Eric Bischoff arrives. Bischoff says that the NWO have left. And I'm thinking, mm, I don't believe you, Mr. Bischoff. Uh, and, but he's Piper's friend. He's trying to protect him. He doesn't want Piper to get himself hurt. Oh, no, 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 no. And again, Bischoff gets so much crap thrown at him oh. by the crowd as well. <laughs> I love so, that. His leather jacket is soaked. There was some, obviously someone has thrown their beer at him. Yeah. And he got to be. You hope it's. You got to be a. Yeah. You got to be pissed off if you go throw your drink at Harry Bischoff at a wrestling exactly. show. That's heat, isn't it? That is heat. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to protect Piper so he doesn't get himself hurt and all this sort of stuff. And Bischoff is just his slimy, sleazy, easy e, brilliant self. Mm-hmm. He then calls Piper a gimp again and fake limps, which is like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a real piece of shit move, isn't it? Yeah, part of me just went, oh, yeah, and then I thought I'd be mad at that as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, Piper ends up hitting him, which does bring the NWO out, mm-hmm. and uh, that then brings Kevin Green out to stand alongside Piper. And the NWO won't get in the ring, and the crowd are going crazy. The reaction here is just—it's just fantastic to see, and that's where we go off the air. But the mm. WWE Network has an after-show exclusive, which I thought was I quite nice. Mm. And the NWO obviously has uh, ever-expanding numbers, ever-rising numbers. Kevin Green and Piper, on their own, are outnumbered. Arn and Mongo come out though and stand alongside them, and they all fight the NWO off. And for the first time. I, I, I want to say for the first time in ages, but I think maybe for the very first time since Bash at the Beach, WCW look as strong as the NWO here. I thought it was a, a, a yeah, really good ending to see them back down from yeah, four people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It made them look, made, it made Piper look strong. It, I, I loved it. I loved it. It made the NWO look mortal. Yeah, there you go. Yes, hundred percent. They can be got at. Yeah. Ah, mm. uh, but well, there we go. That's the end of that episode of Nitro. Um, mm. we better give our plus points and our negatives, our woos and our own mm. brothers, and then rate it overall uh, and give our final thoughts, Ben. Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. Do you want to go first or second, my friend? I will go second this time. I went first last time. Okay, doke. No worries. Um, my O brother, my negative. I mean, there's a few things I could pick, but I've got to go with what pissed me off the most, and it's that red and yellow Hulk Hogan is still in the damn intro. And that must boil my piss, because the Nasty Boys were <laughs> on this show, and the Nasty Boys didn't get it. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. What are you thinking? Uh, my, so, oh, I think my brother is is the, out, the unnecessary outside interference. Right. Yeah. So I think the the megaphone spot, and then they immediately did it with the briefcase spot. It, it it didn't it didn't need to happen in those matches, and yeah, that irritated me. I think it could have been meant more had they left those spots out. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, my woo, my plus point, my my highlight, I suppose. And there's a couple here. Um, Piper Piper's promos, I thought, were great. Uh, that, that was a real good strong point for me. Bischoff being a slimy bastard is always brilliant. Yeah. But for me, it's the ending of the show and WCW looking strong again because now it feels like we've got a war. Now we feel mm. like it's not just an invasion. It's not just a one-sided attack. It feels like we've genuinely got a battle. So mm. for me, 
this ending of the show has done its purpose, I can't wait to tune in next week, so to speak. Mm. That's that. The ending of that is is up there on my list. And yeah. as you have gone for that, I will go for something different. Okay. Um, which was a bit of an unsung classic. I'm I'm picking the Malenko graffiti match. Whoa! I know I'm going there. I am going there. The ending was was brilliant, but just because the three that I've watched so far have had so many. I mean, we get the same with sort of Arn and Craig Pittman in this as well, and Jericho and Bobby Eaton. But Malenko and Griffith, I thought they put a really put yeah. well put together match. And yes, he wasn't a cruiserweight, but that didn't matter. I really enjoyed it. So that that gets my 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 woo for this thing. Fantastic. I mean, the woo is obviously for Dean Malenko and not Jimmy fucking Well, well yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, um, your general thoughts on the program and uh, hit miss or middling this week? I'm very pleased to say I think it's a hit. Okay. Nice. I'm very much for a hit. I think it it did more to build to Starcade than the previous two. Uh, I th- <coughs> sorry. I think having Hogan not there helped, right? Because it helped push Piper and make Piper seem more strong. I'm all for that. That was fine. Yeah, I hit for me. Even the mid card the mid card matches. You know, with Malenko, obviously, I've said about, and some of the others, they were good matches. I had no mm. issue with it. The DDP Jarrett match, I thought was well done. The tease of the angle with that. Yeah. The, yeah. the beginning and ending with Piper, absolutely fine. Yeah, it's a hit for me as well. Uh, and you summed it up perfectly there. The reason it's a hit for me is the storyline progression. We're, we're we're motoring towards Starcade now. In previous months and, and episodes of Nitro and so on, building to different pay-per-views, Danny and I felt that the main event would get a lot of attention. And sometimes going into the pay-per-view, we wouldn't even know what the undercard was. So here yeah. it's refreshing having WCW having so many moving parts. Okay, some of it is a bit much, but at least they're trying. And it really feels like we've got a direction now. And we've we've hmm. got we've got stuff that's heading towards the big event in a couple of weeks. So yeah, it's a hit for me as well, my friend. Too good. We agree on that. We do indeed. We do indeed. Uh, Right. I suppose that concludes this week's Nitro Nights. We'll be back again, of course, next week here on SJP World Media with the next episode of Nitro. We're fast approaching the first pay-per-view of you being part of Nitro Nights, Ben, aren't we? I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. And and to to come in on the, the, as I said, the biggest pay-per-view of WCW year is their Mm -hmm. WrestleMania as Darkade. I'm very honoured to be here. There you go. <laughs> and I'm very happy you are. Do you want to let everyone know online listening whereabouts they can find your good self and the content you're involved in? Uh, yes, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Largely Speaking. Uh, you can find my little pet project as well, Rantomeisters, on all your social media networks on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Rantomeisters, and uh, wherever you get your pods. That's me. That's where you can find me. Awesome stuff. Uh, anything I'm involved in is on the network that carries this show, of course, at SJP World Media on Facebook, Twitter, and all those places, and all your podcast players, platforms, and providers. And we have a YouTube channel and a Twitch channel and all that, SJP World Media there as well. Lots of live shows talking wrestling, Premier League football, and all sorts. Loads of stuff going on, Doctor Who podcast, more wrestling content, music podcast. Uh, just check it out. Go and have a look on our social medias. Give all the shows a try. I think there's a little bit 
for everyone there regardless of taste i feel um but most importantly you can find and follow this show itself on twitter and facebook that's at nitro underscore nights at nitro underscore nights i have had an absolute blast again ben i've really enjoyed this me too man i'm enjoying it same time next week see you there excellent um i hope you spend some of the time between now and our next recording Rewatching the 1992 War Rumble to educate yourself on how wonderful Ric Flair actually is. Now, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I love the 92 Royal Rumble. I just, I love the 92 Rumble. I just don't like Flair. Don't give me that. We will have, have this conversation again, Mr. Powell. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll speak to you next week, bud. Yep, will do. See you, man. Everyone up. As always, thank you for listening. You're next. <laughs>